In today's show, we're here live, we're on YouTube, and we're answering your questions. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here doing a live mailbag show. Welcome if you are here on YouTube getting your questions ready to be answered, and uh, I'm joined by a first-time guest on the show. You may uh, you may have seen him or heard him as the host of the Game Pick podcast. It is Robin Marks. Robin, welcome, mate. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Josh. It is an honor and a pleasure, sir. It's going to be great for us to talk here. Now, if you don't know Robin's stuff, he can explain it a little bit later on in the show, but he does the Game Pick podcast. He focus, focuses mainly on points leagues, so I focus majority on category leagues. I still do points league. He does points leagues with focus with some focus on category leagues. So we're going to cover all bases here. So whatever your questions are, I reckon we're going to be able to have that covered for you. So let's get in and see. There's already a bunch of you guys here already that I can see. So let's get through some of these um, uh, some of these questions. Daniel McIntyre, this is pretty topical. Robin, he said, has Sadiq Bay turned the corner? Any chance he cracks the starting five again? Yeah. Um, I love Sadiq Bey. I think that this season, you know, he's had an opportunity to kind of show his stuff. But throughout his career, as many of you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, right? We have good runs. We have slow runs. He hasn't really uh, developed that consistency that we look for in a solid fantasy guy. So has he turned the corner? Mm, Maybe. I think this big melee that just occurred might give him an opportunity to maybe uh, get some extra run and prove to Dwayne Casey that he's the guy. But honestly, it's a big question mark like it's been for years. Yeah, like I don't think you can say turn the corner after one game, really, because like he'd been pretty bad for most of the season, and that's why he got benched. I, As I said yesterday, I don't really like Sadiq Bay as a player. I don't think he's that good. But I do think he's a better power forward than what Isaiah Stewart is because Stewart's out of position there. Um, it was interesting that he got those shots because of the Diallo and Hayes ejections, but that's not why he played those minutes. He was started, He closed the game over Isaiah Stewart. That's got nothing to do with ejections. He just played well, and he was in that closing lineup. So that gives me a little bit more faith than, say, like Alec Burks, who I think is going to get the big boost initially because he's probably going to start with Hayes out, but then he'll move back to the bench, whereas there's a chance that Bay's production, if he continues it, maybe he does force his way into more closing lineups if he continues to play well. I'm not super excited about it. I did add him in one league, but... I'm not having high hopes on it. I just that that little tweak of him closing the game gave me something to um something to think about there. Gennaro Napoli. Trey Lyles played well last night. Okay. He did. He appears to be a glue guy. What do you think? Uh, for me, Trey Lyles has not really been on my radar so much this season. Um, uh, over the years, just like with Asadiq Bay, he has good games and bad games. You know, in terms of his like contribution in a real life basketball sense, he could be the glue guy. But in terms of fit, that translating into fantasy value, I, I don't really have much faith in him. 
He played well last night. That, that's true. But that was a game that Keegan Murray played 21 minutes and Barnes played 23 and Herder played 17 minutes. It was a game where they were down big and then the bench started to get them rolling. And he did put up a good game. Like he has played 20 minutes in the 20 plus minutes in the last three games. And then the two prior to that, he played 13 combined. So I wouldn't be looking there too excitedly here. In fact, those 20 minutes was the first time he'd played 20 minutes since the 23rd of November. And he's only exceeded 20 minutes two other times this season. So glue guy, no. Like backup center slash power forward. Yes. Does that matter for most fantasy leagues? I highly, highly doubt it. Even though those last couple of games were impressive. I just think the absence of Sabonis, the weird three starters playing under 25 minutes contributed to that extra playing time that he was able to get in that game. Okay. Um, what do you think about Chris Middleton? Obviously it's been a shock and start to his season. Zetsky asked, is he a stash? And I think, like very clearly, like, yes, he is a guy that's consistently been top 50 every year for about five or six years. And it's been a rough start, but I, I don't think you can let that guy go, Robin. Yeah, people are panicking. Mm -hmm. And I think because there's always this recency bias in fantasy, right? And, and we're emotional creatures, right? We all want to win. And uh, Josh, you often talk about the long game, right? Like looking at it with a, you know, a wide angle lens when you're looking at it in terms of having that hyper focus in the moment decision making. And I'm getting a lot of people in my community who are panicking about Chris Middleton. So here's the thing. If you have Chris Middleton on your team, you dropping him really isn't an option because the draft capital that you invested in him, you're just going to be shooting yourself in the foot. And if you trade him, right, you're not going to get any value back right now. You know what I'm saying? So for me, what I like to say is, heck to the nah, hold on to him and just be patient. I agree. Like, that's that's the thing. The reason that we, we or you know, me, and I'm sure you say it as well, is that we look at Chris Middleton as a buy low is because you can get him at a cheaper price. But if you're the guy that's having him and trading him away, that means you'd be giving him away at a too cheap price, and that would be a, a loss for you. And straddling that difference between short-term and long-term is a hard thing to do for just any sort of human brain. But even yeah. in fantasy especially, like, we've got to really separate it. We've got one spot at the end of our roster, which is that streaming spot where we take flyers, where we see what happens, where we get maximum games in. And then we've got the rest. We just go, okay, settle down. Let's hold on. Let's wait. Stuff will even out. Players won't shoot 12% from three for more than four games in a row. Then they'll shoot 60% from three, and they won't do that for more than five games in a row. It'll even out. But we can't be like, every position needs to go, and we need to change 10 players on our roster every two weeks in order to, like, it just, it's just not going to work that way. And in the end, almost every time, you're going to screw yourself if that's the way you're, um, if that's the way you're looking at things. All right, Air Dunks, I like this question. Is it is Daniel Gafford or Mike Muscala a 12-team pickup? And it might sound stupid to say that Muscala is a pickup, but Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out. Alexei Pokashevsky is out. And the Thunder have literally no centers. So yep. uh, this it, the answer is clear, but it's not as stupid as it seems. Yeah, uh, for me, I was looking at you know rankings before I got on the show, and I was like, Muscala? Like, that's mm. that's my option right now, you know what I'm saying? And then thinking about Poku being out and just, you know, kind of all of the different variables that are attached to a, a roster and, and people's fantasy value. So anyone could be valuable when it comes to streaming, right? And I, I think oftentimes there's a certain name value that's attached to players too, right? Muscala doesn't have, like, strong name value in the fantasy community. When people say that, they might throw up in their mouth a little bit. But at the same time, when you're trying to win a fantasy championship or even just win your week, that streamable spot, anything goes as long as convenience and, you know, uh, the contribution of the player works for your team. Exactly. Look, Muscala might play 18 minutes. He might play 22 minutes. They do have um, Jalen Pig williams They do have... 
uh, Eugene Omaroy, they have Darius Basie, but no one should get excited about any of those names. The fact that there's four of those subpar center options they can rotate through should give you some sort of fear. But they did start Muscala's second half last game when Poku was hurt, and he put up an okay line. But as for Gafford, they're starting him next to Porzingis. I don't know whether that sticks, but 24 minutes a night of Daniel Gafford is a pretty clear 12-team league fantasy player. More for category leagues than points leagues, but you know, 24 is enough for him, for what he's able to do. And they are leaning into that build, it seems, going a little bit bigger. And um, I added Gafford in a couple of spots overnight, um, and I think that that would be the one that... Because I, I don't have confidence in Muscala, but I know mm-hmm. that Gafford is starting. I know that he is starting at the moment. That may not last, but but I know that that is happening, and that is the direction that I want to go with that. Um, one one question here. I saw another about another big man. OC asks, are Jakob Pertl's minutes since returning a cause for concern? Mm, that's a good one. Um, so Pertl, I, I think, is great. You know, So for me, any uh, decisions that Greg Popovich makes around minutes, resting, I always have like an eyebrow up you know, <laughs> about, about that stuff because we have a rich history of having our heart broken by the San Antonio Spurs, uh, specifically in playoff series, uh, fantasy playoffs, when you have Kawhi Leonard, I'm not going to go there. But um, I wouldn't worry about it. I would say you have him on your roster. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Drop him or trade him right now? Just let him get ramped up. And then if you want to move him later on, wait until he has a big game and sell high. Like the thing you talk about short memories. Like two games ago, he had a monster game. Like it was a, it was he had like four blocks and two steals and played 25, 26 minutes. He had a bone bruise in his knees. Came back, come back for for a week. Is it annoying that he's playing twenty four minutes a night? Yeah, it is. But I don't think it's going to last. And literally two games ago. He had a pretty big performance. So I'm not that worried about it. Like, yeah, you can have a slight level of concern, but it's not enough where I do anything about it whatsoever. But if I know someone like you, OC, is in my league and they have Pirtle, then I'll try to get him at a cheaper price because if you're concerned about him or if they're concerned about him, then yeah, I'll uh, I'll make that move. And uh, back back to the short-term thinking, like if we go back to the stuff that we said in the start of November, yeah, stupid it'll sound. Like some of the stuff we said, hey, man, was I, I was worried about this. What if this player never, or Anthony Edwards, man, should I just sell him for a top 80 player? Because he's like, some of the stuff that would have been thrown around in discussions everywhere, it would have been insane to look at, you know, six weeks later. Get and back. it changes minute to minute, Josh. Yeah. Like in fantasy, it's literally a minute to minute thing. And I think people like you who like, this is your job, right? Your your fingers on a pulse of it, so you get it all day. I think sometimes for people who don't who don't are, are not as active in terms of keeping up with news, when they see something on a night to night basis, it's shocking. So yeah. I think for us as fantasy players, I think the biggest bit of advice that I can give is just look, think about it long term, take your time, don't make any rash decisions. I think that's a good idea. We'll get back to more questions in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends, you're putting back a few drinks and a few become a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Now you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's no big deal. But what are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, or you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think that you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Back to the questions. What have you guys got cooking up for us now? Um, is Miles Turner a buy low in your opinion? Uh, I I would say so. You know, for me, you know, I'd have to pull up his last few games. But um, uh, I'll give you a spoiler. Turner. They're not good. 
Yeah, I'm looking at him now, and you know he's 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 in a bit of a slump. You know what I'm saying? I think also uh, if you look at his minutes, his minutes are kind of where they should be, right? For the season, he's averaging 29.1, and over the last seven games, he's averaged 25 minutes per game. So what does that tell me? He's still getting usage, and usage equals production. What you need to do is kind of figure out what's best for your team. For me, I, I think you could buy low if you have a, a um a owner in your league a league that's worried or panicking um i would maybe spark those conversations in the group chat if you have one hey man miles turner's really sucks right now what are you gonna do and kind of get that maybe give them that narrative in their mind and if you want to buy low then go ahead and execute a trade if someone's dropped that to me in a group hey you kind of sucks what are you gonna do i'd say i i'd uh i'd, I'd tell you I'd, I'd tell you in a very impolite way what am i gonna do i'm gonna tell you to shut the fuck up that's what i'm gonna tell you to do like he's fine he's on my team and we're all good here i know what you're doing i know i know what you're trying to do um but hey and that depends but also if you have someone like no offense to you dennis if you have dennis in your league he says miles turner is barely producing is he a drop well there you go my ah. dennis has miles well, go and get him at a cheap that's price a match? There that's you go. a match made in heaven josh you just you're doing matchmaker on the <laughs> fantasy podcast that's that's like a love connection that's how you do it you, you find the person who is having that worry who's just throwing that thing out there and yeah I'll, I'll take miles turner for trey lyles and then we'll see how that uh that goes um andre says, is Jeremy Sohan the real deal rest of season? I mean, for me, like, first of all, I'll say, like, I love his hair. And I uh, love the fact that legend. he plays for the San Antonio Spurs. And I love the fact that he wears the number 10. Mm -hmm. So, like, for all of these reasons, just from a sheer emotional standpoint of a basketball friend from the late 80s and early 90s, I want to say yes. I would say rest of season, give him a shot, see how it goes. And just like with any player, my friend Bill the Professor always says, love him and leave him. When you talk about your last two or three spots and you have streamable roster slots and you're like, well, people come in and come out, the minute that you see him start to, you know, not produce, then you got to just drop him, you know, like the Colts. Yeah, you do. That's right. Now, he's had three really good games out of his last four. I'm not sure how confident I feel in usage or his ball handling or even his defensive stats, which are absent all season. But this is why when I talk about players like Kentavious Caldwell-Pope or players like Harrison Barnes, like they're never going to break into the top 100. They're just going to be your 12th best guy all season. And I just don't care. Like I can hold on to that player, but I also might... Yeah, it's much better to drop and try so hard. See if he pushes and be he can be a top 90 player as we move forward. And if he can't, you know who'll still be on the way? Harrison Barnes or someone equally as uninspiring that I can just add in to give me the 120th, 130th best player on a consistent basis. Like That is why those players who just have no excitement, no upside, no ability to improve are just not worth having until you get to fantasy playoffs when you've got to maximize everything for that particular day and that particular week. But in week 11, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be maximizing every single day, every single position. Do I take Barnes at the 120th best player or this guy who was 150th but might hit 70th? Well, I take the 150th guy. And if it doesn't work out, oh, well, I, I deal with it. And the closer we get to the playoffs, the more we switch into playoff mode unless we're sitting at the top of the standings. And then we can just keep taking flyers and build an absolute super team. And that is the... Um, the theory that I put behind here, building rosters and, and adding guys off can, the waiver. Can I add something onto that, of Josh? Can I add one thing? So, and one more thing I want to share with the, the viewers is every year, and Josh, tell me if you agree with this. Every year, there's one. One person from the waiver wire that ends up becoming, you know, a, a permanent mainstay in fantasy drafts for years. For example, a few years ago, I think it was Jokic's rookie year. People weren't really sure what was up with Jokic, right? A guy in my league grabbed him in a dynasty league, and he ended up just getting the joker, right? 
Hassan Whiteside a number of years ago. We had a year where he just kind of came sure. in and all of a sudden was producing. So just know, like, I'm not saying Sohan is that guy, but ride the hot hand while it's hot. And you never know, you might get that guy this season. Yeah, it happened with Rudy Gobert as well. I think he started yep. to come in towards the end of maybe his rookie season. Yeah, there are certain hot hands that I know that aren't going to work. You know, shout out Lonnie Walker. Like, he's just never going to be good. That's just the way it is. And but there are other players with that intriguing skill set. And Sohan was that guy. Like, yeah, hey, he played point guard as a 6'9 forward who blocks shots and gets steals. Oh, that's really interesting. And if it does come together, then you do have an ability to contribute right across the fantasy landscape. Of course, he was terrible for the first 10 weeks of the season, but he's a rookie. What are you going to do about it? And now he's come back and he's good. Now, there's no guarantee of any of this stuff with any of these players, but that's why that's why we take chances on it. So, yes, I do agree with you. Thanks, Robin. That was a good question. Um, All day. Ghost says... What are your thoughts on Terry Rogier's rest of the season outlook? I'm done with this bloke. I can't stand him. Uh, not that I can't stand him. It's just that I took me two years to be convinced that he could be an efficient shooter. And then I finally said, it. all right, yes, I know he's an efficient shooter. And now he's the worst shooter in the NBA. So what are your thoughts on Terry Rogier's rest of the season? Heck to the nah And I'll tell you why. Terry Rozier, like you, Josh, I never really had much faith in him. I always looked at him as like maybe a six man, maybe somebody that could produce, mm -hmm. you know, on that level. And then when he got to Charlotte and people thought maybe he would get the keys to the car, he really didn't. And then he he had moments where you would want to believe in him. But for me, like this is a guy that I don't have any faith in rest of season. Would if, if I have him, I would sell high as soon as he has a big game. And if he's available on waivers, I would use him for a stream, um, that a droppable stream. You bring up a good point because when he came to Charlotte, I was like, I don't believe in this guy as a full-time starter driving the car. And in fact, I said during that season, I go, don't be surprised when Devontae Graham is the point guard there and Terry Rozier isn't. And that's exactly what happened. And Devontae Graham yeah. is actually terrible. So yeah, that sort of puts that into perspective. But then Lamelo came and Rozier played off him and played a better position and was solid. Now, I still think there's significant improvement here. He's hitting 31% from three. Like that could, from here on out, he could hit 36% and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. It's not hitting 40, it's not hitting 45, it's hitting 36. So that's an improvement. He's getting absolutely no steals whatsoever, right? He's half his steal rate from basically every year in his career. So that can go up, even if it only goes up 50%, not the full 100%, it's an improvement. And he's still averaging 20 points and over five rebounds per game. But my skepticism around the shooting, I just don't think it's getting back to where we were last season. But I still, I'm not sure, I, I wouldn't drop him personally. I still think there's room for improve, but in, improvement. But in terms of where I viewed him start of the season, I'm just like, forget that. Like, I'm not going back to that efficient guy. But the steals and three-point shooting, to me, there's pretty clear upside in that to even get to halfway of what it was or halfway between this season and last season. I think there's a chance for him to get back to that. Um, all right, so... What question do we have here? Uh, okay, everyone knows my thoughts on Jonathan Isaac. Robin, I want to hear yours. Well, I think he's a polarizing political figure. I think that that part of his cachet, if you will, is quite interesting. Um, I think for a guy to be out this long uh, after an injury, a knee injury, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it's unusual, to say the least, you know what I mean? Um, when he's on the court, what I've seen of him, he was he had a lot of promise. You know, uh, there was one of my dynasty leagues where he was getting picked up and dropped for a couple, couple of years where people are like, OK, maybe this will be the year. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if there was a recent report that might have sparked this question. But yep. generally, when we get a a report about Jonathan Isaac, uh, Isaac, nothing comes from it. You know what I'm saying? So 
like anyone, he he could be worth a pickup. But if you see that he's not playing, then he could be right back in the waiver bin um, as soon as you, as soon as that happens. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I saw that question. Oh, did something happen? Did they mention a report that he's back? But no, nothing. Like, just, this this name gets brought up all the time. He hasn't played in two and a half years. He's on a team with about four forwards who are currently ahead of him on the waiver or on the on the depth chart. Um, he's going to be rusty. He's going to sit back to backs. He's not going to play big minutes. I have absolutely zero interest. And I don't even know when he's coming back. Like, he should have been back two years ago. Sim- simple as that. Yeah. And he's not. And, okay. So, until I see you on the court, I don't believe that you're back. And even then, you're not going to be fantasy valuable to me. And if I miss out on him, oh, well. I'm just not putting trust in a guy that should have been playing at the start of last season. And we're halfway through this season, and he's not there yet. Um, today's episode is also brought to you by Rocket Money. If your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, well, you need Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the best way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about, like that streaming service that you brought just to watch one show or that free trial that you never even used. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA, rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, we have got about 10 minutes left here. Let's go through some more questions. All right, we saw what happened yesterday. People asking this question, do you drop Killian Hayes now? No. You don't drop Killian Hayes in, um, you know, in, in nine cat. 12 team or points leagues right now, especially, especially because, you know, we, we need to find out what's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a critical position and you, and, and Killian Hayes is your like worst player and you need to stream somebody, then that's a different conversation. So for me, I have um, a league where Killian Hayes is my, it's more shallow league and uh, he's my worst player. And I dropped him because, you know, I needed to have a, a streaming spot. However, Generally, in a 12-team league, just hold to see what happens. Don't just make a rash decision based on this this incident. Um, and then as the news kind of unfolds, we'll figure out what the next steps are. Yeah, a couple of things on this. I've been asked the question a few times, hey, when are the suspensions going to drop? I don't know, but I'm going to guess it's before their next game. Um, look, write it, in, write it in absolute ink in stone. Killian Hayes will get suspended. I, I don't know for how long. My guess is three to five games. It's not going to be more than 10. I know that much. Like it might be three to five games, but we don't, we don't know how long it'll be. But just know that he is not playing in that next game. I can guarantee you that. And there's a bunch of Magic players who are going to get suspended a minimum one game as well. It's about seven of those guys. But I don't know who that. I don't know exactly who they're going to be or when they're going to do it. Because if they suspend all of them at one time, they don't have enough players to play. So they might have to stagger that. And we don't know how that's going to work out. What you said is 100% right. If he is your worst player, then see you later. But that, that is easy decision to make, right? You can move on. You can stream guys in. But I get this question a lot as well. Like, oh, do I drop this guy? Well, for what? Like, for who? Who are you adding? Are you adding someone useless off the waiver wire that's not going to do anything? Are you adding sorry to that guy again? Like, are you adding Trey Lyles? I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that. But if you're adding someone, there's a good option out there. Maybe it is. Jeremy Sohan, again, to call back to a further question. Then, sure, if Killian's the worst player, he's going to be suspended maybe three games. It's a week of action out. He was iffy on your squad anyway, then do it. Like that's all that stuff is, but you're never just gonna say, Well, I'm dropping Killian Hayes. Who are you adding? Uh, uh nobody. Like you've got to do something. Cause otherwise then you would hold him. Like there's gotta be two equal sides of an ad drop transaction the majority of the time. And even when it isn't like you drop someone to activate off IR, like that's still a second half of that transaction. 
I want to hear your thoughts, Robin, on tanking. I get this question all the time. Explained by Doofus says, is LaMelo someone that you should trade soon due to tanking or no? Mm, tanking. This is a conversation that's come up for me, like in the last couple of days, especially. So there's two levels to it, right, Josh? There's the real life tanking. You know, what's happening in the NBA, teams like, let's say the OKC Thunder, who towards the end of the season, players are mysteriously injured, people are resting, whatever it may be. Um, and then you have like fantasy tanking and dynasty. This is a conversation that came up yesterday in our <laughs> you know, there's like the Victor Webb and Yama sweepstakes mm. in fantasy now. So there's a guy in our league who, and this is the Game Pick uh, Podcast League. He's like, it's with a bunch of my users. It's pretty cool. He's all like, listen, guys, how do you guys feel about tanking? Because I don't think, you know, I think I'm just going to set my lineups and that's it. Not play the waivers, but I'll set my lineups. So he benched Anthony Edwards the other day. And people were like, yo, what are you doing? You can't bench Anthony Edwards. He's like, oh, so. You know, long story short, for me, where do I stand on it? In the NBA, I get it. It's a, uh, a a concept that has been embraced by the league. I know there's been some discussions about ways to combat it. You know what I mean? But it's come. It's it's a part of the landscape now. You know, I'm looking back to Philadelphia and and trusting the process and just people building their teams through the draft. I get it. Um, in fantasy, on the other hand, I think it's kind of a new concept. And I think Victor Webinyama is like one of the reasons that this conversation is even happening. When Zion and Ja came out, people were talking about who's going to get the first pick or who's going to be last. But people weren't sacrificing their season for it. So I think it's a fascinating conversation. But personally, I'm open to the league doing what they do day to day on business. In fantasy, I still need to figure out where I stand. In any of the dynasty leagues I set up, which I set a lot of them about eight years or nine years ago, we we had that potential problem. So all of them were instituted with a draft lottery. All of them were instituted with a really flat draft lottery as well. So it wasn't the same as the NBA lottery because like, if you finish your top three worst records, your top two, you, you didn't have that extra chance. It was like yeah, the top eight spots became pretty flat odd. So actually deliberately trading guys away and not setting your lineups didn't actually benefit you in that sense. It still became pretty random. And that that, that basically that eliminates the problem. Like if you just make it so that there, say you're a 16 team league and eight teams make the playoffs, if the all eight non-playoff teams um, don't make the playoffs, um, give them flat odds. But then someone say, yeah, well then someone will try not to make the playoffs to get into that flat odds. And then you, but you, then you can give bonus prize money to people who do make the playoffs. There are ways around it and you can, you can, work to eliminate that. As for the tanking in the league, there's only one team that I think that's actually actively losing games on purpose, and that's the Spurs. So I'm not making any moves on Thunder players or Hornets players. Someone said, man, if Lamella gets injured again, he's just he's going to be done for the season. Like, he'll be done for the season if he suffers a season-ending injury. I think, look, he came back from this ankle injury after people were scared after the second one and said, well, he's not coming back. They're just tanking. He's going to shut down. He's playing like 38 minutes a night straight away. So people just over... over, um hype, overestimate, over-exaggerate the impacts of this. Yeah, the Thunder had guys sit down in April, like last year. That's when they started to play those crazy lines. It was like, we got five games of Xavier Simpson, like five games. People act like it was the thing that happened from January 1st where everyone was out and no one played. But it just wasn't the case. And the Spurs are doing some wacky stuff with Johnson and Vassell on their lineups, but nobody else is. Everyone else's lineups are pretty normal and nothing crazy is going on. And okay, the Thunder changed their lineups all the time. You know why? Because they're bad players. They're good players, play 30 plus minutes every night and they stay in and they run things normally. They're bad players. They rotate through depending on matchups, which I think is actually good coaching. It's got nothing to do with tanking. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that, which I think people knew anyway. 
Um, just oh, in terms of Lamelo, I, I I would hold Lamelo just to answer yeah. the question. Sorry, I, I went <laughs> I went on my soapbox for a minute, but no, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't trade Lamelo right now. I would too. Um, okay, we've got a couple more questions before we get out of here. Um, okay, uh, here's a question. Peak Seeker. Now, I don't normally like to look at these questions, but you've given me no context at all here, Peak Seeker. But it just get, brings me to a larger poor, a larger question about trades. So would you trade Nurkic and Cole Anthony for PJ Washington and John Collins? What's your opinion in your leagues, Robin, about people trading and trading multiple players? Like, we've got 13-man rosters most of the time. And there are trades that I see where it's like three for threes and four for fours. This is a two for two. But what are you trying to... Do you see that happen often in your leagues? What are people trying to achieve? What's your status on trading? Because I find that the more experienced fantasy players that I play with or deal with, the fewer trades there are in their leagues, unless it's unless there might be a one in you know, 100 league where there's three trades every day. Otherwise, the more experienced leagues have fewer trades. How have you viewed... You can answer this question from Peak Seeker, but also just how would you view the trading that you see in leagues uh, in general? Yeah, I, I'll start by saying that you know, I, I'm I'm from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball School of Fantasy. So, you know, I've been following the channel for a while and, you know, was here like right after Kobe Bryant passed away. I was like here with you. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yep. So like I go back like that. Um, so for me, I think super compounded trades can be tricky. They can throw like three for threes, four for fours can really throw off the balance of a league. Um, you know, personally, I really love trading. I think it's one of my favorite things to do. I don't do it so much in my dynasty leagues. Dynasty trades, I'll probably do one every two years. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I'm happy with my teams. But for redraft leagues, I'm really a, a trader. Like I love to like constantly work in season to improve my roster, take advantage of sell high, buy low moments. So for me, I think that uh, once you start getting into the four for four, three for three category, it can be detrimental to a league. Um, but again, I'm all for uh, trades, especially, you know, the, you know, increasing the 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 size of the trade to kind of convince that person if you need to. So like throwing a one for one for a player that, you know, you, you want to move. But then the guy uh, rejects the trade. If he rejects the trade, you're in negotiations now. So then you strike again with the two for one. Then maybe pull that bottom person from your roster. Let's say Sohan. He just had a big game. He might have his blinders on and see just the numbers, and you might be able to execute a three-for-one. Maybe there's somebody on the waivers that you want to pick up. So in those situations, I don't mind a three-for-one or something, but generally where I stand is the more the, the larger the trade, the more at risk the league is maybe having the balance thrown off. And to answer this question real quick, I would say why not? Make the trade if it works for your roster. Yeah, well, oh, now that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's a center and a guard for a center or for two power forward slash centers. So, look, even if value favors one side, then it really depends on what your team individually needs. In a points league, it's different to a category league. But realistically, like the best players there are Nurkic and Collins, and the other two guys are waiver wire guys. Washington probably sits ahead of Cole, but again, it really depends what you want. I remember someone writing something about trades. I think it was on the Fantasy Basketball subreddit. As we'll get out of here after this question, talking about trades, saying like, you know, a trade trade should always happen. They're always good. There's you know always all these positive outcomes. It's either a win-win or it's a win for one side and a loss for the other. So you know the majority of the time there's always going to be a winner and there's always going to be winners the vast majority of the time. I said, well, how about a trade where it's a lose-lose because oh, that they don't happen. I go, well, if there's win-win trades, there has to be lose-lose trades. It has to happen. Like there is, it can is in points leagues, maybe not so. In points leagues, it's very hard to have a win-win trade anyway. But in a category league, it's very easy to have a lose-lose trade. You can trade yeah. a, a punt field goal guy for a punt free throw guy, and it 
decimates both of your squads and they both become worse for the trade. Like that's, it's so easy to do. And without the understanding of how each little factor, so each one for one is two players moving, a three for three is six. So every little thing increases the factor of the accuracy or getting that trade wrong and throwing things off. So just just be trade trade away, make the moves, take advantage of people, no problem. Just be careful what you're doing. Really think about it and you yeah, be cautious about just throwing everything in at all points. I got my new T-shirt, Josh. Take advantage of people, no problem. <laughs> that's, my, that's my next T-shirt. Hi, Take advantage of people, no problem. Josh Lloyd, 2022. Get the get the merch going. Um, all right, well, should we do... Uh, let's see, one one more question and then we can go. All right, I've given my thoughts on this. So I'm not even going to chime in. Andre Hardy says, about Miles Bridges, when can we expect him to sign a new contract? We don't know that, Andre, so we're not going to answer that part, but we are going to transition this into what are you doing with Miles Bridges? Have you added him? Would you add him? Do you think he plays this season? If you are winning in a dynasty league and you can stomach it, then I would grab him in a dynasty league. If you're up, if you're like, you know, you have a winning record way above 500, you know, securing your playoff spot in a couple of weeks, and you want to hold him, go for it. I think there's a whole like uh, moral discussion around him, you know what I'm saying, um, which I get and understand. I think in redraft leagues, we stay away from him. There's really no need. Uh, once he comes back, there's going to be a suspension looming. So that's something we have to take into consideration if we are thinking about picking him up in redraft. So for redraft, I say stay away. In dynasty, I would consider it, again, only if you're winning. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance that he plays any meaningful games this season. I, that's, I've said that the whole time. A, he's not signed. B, he then needs to get signed. Then he needs to get into conditioning shape, which probably takes another week or so. And then he's going to cop a suspension. And we're already 35 games or so into the season. So we've got, what, 45 left? Is that, yeah, 45 left around that mark. And say he say he gets suspended for 20 games, but he's still not signed. So we're still a long way away. And I just think that the you can't put him onto IL at this point anyway. And you maybe can if he's suspended. We saw Kyrie um, at, at times. And Kyrie wasn't suspended. Was he? No, uh, no, he no, he was out. Yeah, no, I don't think you can put him even put suspended players on um, IL because yeah, John Collins, John Dre Aiden, you couldn't put them into injured spots either. So in a lot of in a lot of different leagues, so I, I just don't think it's I just don't think he's going to play meaningful games this season. And yeah, that's it. Dynasty, I agree yep. with you. I agree with you in Dynasty. He will get back in the NBA at some point, um, regardless of your moral taste on the issue. Like he will play in the NBA, so there is good value in that, Robin. That'll do it for us today. Thank you for coming on and having such a great guest, your first time here on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Now, you can tell people um, yeah, what, what, what it is that your show is, where people can find you, or your little uh, or your TikTok videos, everything that you do. Well, first off, I want to thank you, Josh, for giving me the opportunity. Again, like this is totally like a bucket list thing as a, as a fantasy uh, personality to be hanging out with a uh, person that many would consider the GOAT is truly uh, an honor for me. So thank you for having me. For the community, uh, I'm just grateful to be here, but also would love to have you guys check out some of my stuff. You can catch me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Game Pick podcast i also have a gift for the community i have a how to make a trade handbook that i like to gift you guys for free it would also grant you free access to my discord all you have to do is visit bit.ly slash bit.ly slash game pick podcast that's bit.ly slash game pick podcast thank you go and check that out go check out the game pick podcast on all of those social media outlets and robin that'll do it for today's show. Guys, don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And you're on YouTube. So what are you doing? Thumb it up, leave a comment down below, subscribe, ring the notification bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.